Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Stays in the Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me... Solomon Cooper. Yes, yeah, Solomon Ezra Cooper. Y'all okay. get to know my middle name now. Isn't that cool? Why don't you just give them uh, your social security number and your home address next? That's not the same at all. Now they know how to reach you, these deviants that listen to this podcast. Okay. All right. So we're going to be discussing two movies this week. Um... One in which is so big, it really deserves a podcast of its own, but they both came out in October, and I wanted to get um, the reviews out while they were still fresh in everybody's mind uh, and fresh in our mind. So the first movie we're going to be discussing... Is Antlers. Antlers, yes. A Scott Cooper directed... Is Scott Cooper directed that? Yeah. Yes. Scott Cooper directed a horror movie um, starring Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons based on a short story that I read some time ago and really, really loved. And I've been really excited about this movie. It got pushed, I believe, because of COVID by a year. God. Yeah. Um, So then the second movie. (laughs) Is Dune. Is Dune. Yay. Yes, finally. Um, And I really did not know what to expect going into this movie. I don't know very much about Dune, except for that I've seen the original movie a million years ago and had no idea what was happening the entire time I was watching it. But we'll go more into that later. But let's start off with Antlers because I don't think, Solomon, that you had a ton to say about this movie. Um, I, Against my better judgment, I'm going to ask if you could give us a plot synopsis. You, you know what happens, Dad. I know you're going to start with them brushing their teeth and it's going to be 30 minutes have gone by and they haven't even gotten on the <laughs> school bus yet. Okay, I'm going to try my best to do a good one. Okay. Uh, I've already screwed. Come on. Boy. Meets world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, it's set. It's a mo- modern day. It's a mo- modern day. <laughs> modern day. It's... I don't know how to. I can't. I don't know how to do plot synopsises. It's either I start with the very, very beginning, or I don't know what to. You know why you don't know how to do a plot synopsis? I swear. Because you don't read. Oh my god! You can't bring it into the podcast. They don't know what that means. No, they can understand. They can tell. <laughs> oh, they get. T- that's rude. Okay, the plot is this little boy is taking care 
of his dad and his little brother, and they have a quote sickness, and but the sickness is some actually an ancient um like story. The sickness is an ancient story. Well, what the sickness is is based on a. St- oh man, it's this is a plot synopsis. The Wendigo. I don't. I don't know, Dad. You do it. I can't do it. This is embarrassing. Yeah. So for for those of you who are a waste ha- of our time, <laughs> who haven't who haven't read um, Antlers or don't know anything about it, it's uh, essentially about a school teacher in a really small dying mining town in Oregon who notices that one of her students. Oregon. I thought it was Minnesota. You thought it was Minnesota? They said Oregon. <laughs> I thought they said Minnesota. <laughs> they would have all talked in that weird Fargo-y voice. I thought they were. Oh, my gosh. You know why you don't know accents? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so set in um, in Oregon. It's like, it's a mining town that's dead, and everybody's pretty much turned uh, over to crystal meth, it seems like. Yes. And um, Carrie Russell's character, Jules, essentially notices that one of her students um, seems to be fairly disturbed. He's drawing a lot of disturbing images. He's acting out. He's also getting bullied. Um, This leads to a trip to the school nurse, which shows that he's also physically has scars all over his body. So essentially her and the school start investigating what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say the basic plot synopsis is. But if you're a horror fan, that's not going to be very appealing to you. That sounds more like a, you know, a drama, melodrama. Um, what it really is is a monster movie yeah. about a giant killer deer monster. The, the Wendigo. The Wendigo. Um, or as my dad says it, the Wendigo. I didn't. I don't believe I just said Wendigo. You didn't just say it, but I don't you believe, were just I, trying to hide I've it. I've never said you Wendigo. You were just trying to hide it from the audience because we all know. That you said a Wendigo. Well, like I'm not gonna let you. Times. I'm not gonna let you keep sidetracking me with your banal commentary. Mm. So, I what I just now what I said before Solomon started uh, interrupting me. How the movie sounds like a melodrama when really it's a monster movie is kind of the biggest problem that I have with the movie. Um, you have great anchoring performances from Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell. And don't forget about the kid. The kid is really good. His name is Jeremy T. Thomas. Yes. Um, he is amazing, actually. Yeah, like, shockingly. Yeah. he's he. I don't know if, if he just looks younger and is small for his age, but he plays a 12-year-old. He doesn't look a day over 12. Yeah. And he is astonishingly good. Like, the movie is worth going to see just because he's that good. Dude, he's amazing. Yeah. Um phenomenal if you will. I mean he's he's having to he's having to express without very much dialogue um essentially a kid who is going through an unimaginable an unimaginable amount of psychological and physical trauma. Trauma. And it's just so good. And it's and what's great about it is it's not a showy performance. You know, it's not one of those performances where he's like hysterical and crying or anything. You know, it's a lot of sullen, pent-up, um, all-in-the-eyes kind of acting. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he, you're right. He, he was ac- absolutely fantastic. Um, but, yeah, the, the movie does a little bit too hard try and hammer home the human drama 
element and make it like a family in crisis drama at the expense of the monster movie. And then when it becomes a monster movie, that kind of is the expense of the family drama movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I'm watching a monster movie, I would prefer it air on the side of more monster. Yeah. Um, but if I'm watching a family drama, I'd like to air on the side of less monster. Personally, <laughs> actually, it's not true. If I'm watching a family drama, I still want to air on the side of more <laughs> more monsters. Um, and you know, I thought the I thought that the kind of metaphor that they were drawing between um, Jules's character, again played by fantastic Carrie Russell, the parallels they were trying to draw between her abuse as a child by her, from her father um, and this other kid whose dad, like her dad was like a, a figurative monster and um, his dad is turning into a, a, a literal monster. monster. Yeah. And um, was a little bit sloppy and ham fisted. Um, but yeah, before I get into any of the other nits that I had to pick, what was kind of your overall feeling about, about the movie? I mean, I was, I didn't really know how to feel about it. I, I, Notice all the all the good things about it, like um, really great cinematography, and like I said, great performances by the three main characters. Um, yeah, the cinematographer uh, he's done he he did the cinematography for a TV show called The Terror, if I'm not mistaken. And this show actually this movie actually has a lot of uh, similar elements to The Terror. They're both slow burns. The way that shot felt very similar. I don't know if you didn't you didn't no, watch that I show. Was, I, I'm just listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, but his, he has a crazy name. His name is Florian Hoffmeister. Yeah, Florian Hoffmeister. Such a fun name. I think and, I'm yeah, you'll sure be very German. surprised. To, yeah, I was gonna say you'll be very surprised to learn that he's a German. Yeah, so shocking. I was gonna try and do a German accent, but I, I chickened out. Oh, that was probably the the right call. I think you should stick to that. I think we're allowed to do German accents. Well, you can. It's it's not like you're gonna get canceled for doing a German accent. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. So you were saying. Like it, it's it was the cinematography good. was great, performances were great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it it's a good movie. All right, I'll, I'll just put that out there. It's a it's a nice good. Mo- it's not nice. Sorry, it's mean actually and really dark and grungy and creepy. Ugh, it's actually kind of gross. Like actually like sickening. By the way, <laughs> um, but overall, I think it's. A good movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie. Definitely not one of my favorite movies. It exists in my brain, and that's how I'm gonna describe it. That's my opinion of the movie. <laughs> that's not really a good. That's not really a description of the movie, but that's my opinion. As of the movie. long as we have your opinion, you said what were my general overall opinions? I said thoughts, actually. Whatever. Same thing. You know, I don't have thoughts. Uh, I have thoughts. Because <laughs> you don't read. You can't say. Why I don't have thoughts. No, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I, 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 if we're going to just kind of cut to the chase as far as that goes, I mean, I kind of felt similar. Like, it's a great-looking movie. It's, yep. really, it's really gorgeously shot, especially considering the, the fact that they're trying to make this Oregon town look as beat down and miserable as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some great performances and some really powerful moments. I think, like, I can't remember exactly the quote, but... Uh, you know, they say that, you know, a great movie has like three great scenes and no bad ones and a good movie is two. I don't know. I'm getting, I'm butchering this quote. 
Wow. This movie had... That's so powerful. <laughs> Such a great quote you just quoted for us all. You can look it up. I gave him a, enough keywords A great to movie Google has it. three great scenes, no bad ones. A good one has two. I, I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I couldn't really quote with. Such a glorious quote. This movie had, um, definitely had two or three great scenes, but it also did have several missteps. Um, one is that it is really, really putting emphasizing the slow part of slow burn. That's very true. I mean, this is a short movie. I think it clocks in like 99 minutes. Yeah. Nailed it. Like 99 minutes. It was yeah. exactly 99 oh, minutes. Man. Good I, could, job. I could just tell. I could just tell whenever we were watching it. I was like, this feels like, actually, it didn't feel like 99 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <you're... laughs> it felt like 199 minutes. That's definitely true. And I know this is, this is like kind of a going to be a, death knell for anybody who might be, have been interested in this movie for me to say that. And I, I, I don't mean it in the sense that I was, I personally was bored. Solomon may have been bored. I wasn't bored. I wasn't bored per se. All right. It, it, this, it, the movie is just grueling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, it was, it's just very, everyone's miserable. Um, and it, the, the topics are very, very heavy, you know, child abuse, uh, sexual assault, uh, alcoholism, drug addiction. You know what I mean? And and on top of all of those miserable issues, you have dying coal industry, you know, uptick in opioid abuse. You know, really like they're like, what are all the horrible things going on in the world today? <laughs> and let's cram them all into one movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And so it just it just feels so sloggy. You know what I mean? It's and just, not in a bad way. No, it's, it's it's like misery porn almost, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I felt like I was actually living in the town. Like, I just lived through, like, three years <laughs> of my life. Yeah. And we were all going to leave looking like that meth-headed guy did. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't mean to dissuade you by saying that the movie that the movie's boring or anything. Um, and, and that can work. The problem is he stays in that kind of singular mode for so long that it would have been nice to have any kind of it, levity might be the wrong word because I understand that he would the director would probably just tell me that that's he didn't want that that's what it's like living in these towns yeah but it needed something else right it started to feel flat it's just yeah. one one misery note that you're hitting over and over and over again um and then it had some really odd for a for a movie this handsome looking it had some really odd flaws, I guess you could say, yeah. um, at least in my opinion. Um, weird missteps that I don't, it, you wouldn't expect for a season team to have made. And I don't know if it was made in editing. I don't know if the studio put pressure on them to kind of re-edit some things because the movie is so dark to make them try and make them a little bit less dark or what. But um, one example is... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this character is in the short story, and they are a, kind of a primary character. Um, but the the sheriff's deputy, so Jesse Plemons plays a sheriff, um, and it's Carrie Russell's brother. They live in the same house. Yes. And um, so the only other cop that we ever see in this entire movie is his sh partner, the deputy. Yeah. But the movie does this really bizarre thing to the point where it was distracting. I don't know if you remember me turning to you in the movie theater and being like, Oh, that guy's giving me like creepy vibes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because they never showed him in close up. 
They never cut away to him. They never, whenever, whenever Jesse Plemons is talking to him, they don't ever cut over to him. Like this poor actor was probably like, you know, on set 12 hours a day doing his thing, all excited that he has, you know what I mean? He's like the partner of the main character. So that means at least he's going to be in like all the shots. No, it's like they edited him out almost out of the movie. <laughs> it was. That's sadly true. Yeah, there was one that the, the re, it got distracting. And I actually thought that, like I said, that they were doing it on purpose to make me us not get close to him. So he would, because he, so he, be, you know what I mean, stay kind of distant and because he was going to be like a creepy pervert or something. Yeah. Because they, they have uh, Carrie, I was going to call her by her, by her real name. Her, her name in the movie is Jules, right? But yeah, Jules. Um, but they have her like wave at him so she knows him. Yeah. And um, we don't see anything from him until uh, it's a long shot. And the long shot has him like throwing his cigarette down and he's like waving at her. But you could tell those two scenes weren't, they weren't supposed to be shot reaction shot. You know what I mean? It was just, they were just like now pull out to the wide shot. It was just really bizarre. It was like, they literally were editing this guy. I don't know they had to recast him halfway through. I mean, honestly, they, they, they could have recast him three times in this movie. We would have had no idea. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, so whenever he meets his inevitable demise, you don't even know who he is. That was like the first time that you'd seen his, him. an actual medium or close-up shot of him. You know what I mean? And it, like, yeah. It was like, just, you turn over to me and be like, we don't know anything about this guy. He's dead. He's going <laughs> to die. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's for a movie that really only has about five characters in it total, yeah. I cannot find any reason that any of those characters shouldn't be able to be fleshed out, at least a smidge. And to have it edited in such a way that you don't even know who this character, what he looks like. You know what I mean? Honestly, I would say until that last shot, you wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a lineup, which one was the deputy's partner. Or the, sheriff's, the sheriff's, deputy. sheriff's deputy. Yeah. And then same thing goes with, um, with the, oh my, this is Principal. really embarrassing. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely blanking on her name, but, um, She's an amazing character actress, and yeah, she plays the she plays the principal. And in a movie, again, we don't see a single other teacher at this school. The only other person that we see is this is the principal. Mm -hmm. And again, we get one scene with her, and that's it. Before she's you know cannon fodder, and it's just really bizarre that in this like movie, it's taking itself so seriously and so focused on the characters. That we're not really getting, you know what I mean? No, half of the characters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I honestly, I said that you know, Scream does a better job. Scream Seven, Scream did a, Seven did a better job of of setting up, you know what I mean? At least one dimensional personalities. These people were nothing. They weren't even on the. They were not just weren't in the movie. You know? Yeah. There's no dimensions. Negative dimensions. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um. And then uh, a couple of like that, so that editing thing was really, really bizarre to me. I honestly can't fathom it being a, an actual choice. There must have been some reason they had to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, maybe that guy did get canceled while they were shooting the movie. And they're like, hey, uh, we can't have Ed in here so much. <laughs> have you not been on Twitter recently? Ed. Oh, God. Um, but the other thing, and this is a tiny thing, it just made me laugh. Um, so, you know, in a, in a movie, whenever um, you just want to show like a little passage of time, especially this happens in horror movies, you know, you have the opening kill or yeah. whatever. 
and then the, the music will start and the, the credits will come up and then it will it'll cut to a, a young lady getting dressed and it'll say something like you know five years later or 40 years later or however many years later a day later yeah so that that reveal almost always happens on the cut right so when it cuts from black to the opening scene that's when it's going to tell you where we are now yeah right mm-hmm. you don't like let it go on and on and on you know, and just be like, oh, it's two weeks, by the way, yeah. guys. Yeah, just like, like y'all should know. It's like somebody telling a story badly. Like if you were telling somebody a story <laughs> and you're like, oh, I forgot to tell you that this now takes place 40 years in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in this movie, we have the opening kill scene. It goes to black. Credits come up. And then it opens with Carrie Russell on the toilet. And somebody's like knocking the door. And she says, I'll be with you in a second. And then it cuts again to her washing her hands and says three weeks later. So it looks, because of the way it's edited, like she was on the toilet for three weeks. I mean, I just, that's not, <laughs> this is bad use of cinematic language. How long are language. you on the toilet, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was her rehab. Yeah. Because they do, they try and, they, I don't understand really why they shoehorned that in there, added absolutely nothing to the movie that she was like struggling with alcoholism. It was. I don't know. It was like a was a weird way of trying to add dimensionality to her character that did nothing. That's true. I didn't. I didn't even know she was. You didn't notice they kept having her stare lovingly at the booze bottles at the grocery store. Oh yeah. I well, that's exactly. I forgot about it already. Yeah. Well, it didn't add anything to the characters, and honestly, character development for a, for a drama like this bizarrely inert. You know, thankfully we had these amazing actors really breathing life into a script that wasn't doing them a ton of favors. Um, so anyway, that's a, lo- a lot of negative thing. Let's get to the positives. And there are quite a few positives. On the drama side, there's two, I think, really powerful moments between them when they talked about trauma and abuse and Carrie Russell's character having been a trauma survivor, just adamant about getting this kid out of this situation. And there was two scenes that almost moved me to tears. They were so, you know, upsetting and, and powerful. I keep using the same word, but I can't think of a better one. You're like me. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you give me a better word, Captain Vocabulary? Uh. So you said upset and powerful. <laughs> let me think. Let me think of word. Strong. <laughs> um. Depressing. Depressive. Sure. Those are all words I would use to describe this movie. Yeah. But we're talking about the good. The good parts. So, um, uh, the the creature effect. For the actual Wendigo, it, it's a practical monster that they actually built, and it really, looks, yeah, and it looks amazing, it looks astonishing. Yeah, it looks amazing. You don't get to see it a lot, which is perfectly well, fine. Well, yeah, you don't really want to see the monster too much. Um, the kills in this movie, there's not a ton of them, but what there is is gross. Oh, yeah, like I said before, sickening. Like I was kind of wanting to throw up a few times. Yeah, um, they are gross, and they are. Really, really brutal. And they're not merciful to any of the characters. No. Any of them. Well, I said we were only going to talk about the positive things. This is something that actually kind of irritated me a little bit. Don't get me wrong. The movie is such a downer that I'm I'm happy for whatever studio hack told them that they could not have the downer ending from the book. Because in the end of the book, everybody gets obliterated. Everyone dies. Nice. Um, in this, uh, not so much. Yeah. And it did feel like they 
kind of wussed out about what was going to happen. I totally get it because I don't want to be completely spoiling the movie or anything, but we, we do have like several child deaths and we do end with a pretty brutal child death. Yeah. So I totally understand the note of, hey, if we're going to be murdering all these kids and having all these brutal things and it's already the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> then we're not going to put this movie out if you don't shoot at least two or three endings we can test. And one of those endings needs to be most of the people make it out alive that we care about. And it just doesn't jive with the rest of the movie. You know what I mean? It would have felt more cathartic, I think, even, just to have ramped that depression up to Manchester by the sea level, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Which is what I thought they were doing. The ending really did feel, feel like an ending that was reshot or shot as a safety. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can understand that. I can see it in my head, the ending. Yeah. So there were several there were several times where you could almost actually tell in the editing where they changed the direction that the you know the movie was gonna go. Yeah. So anyway, um I don't really have a ton else to to say about uh, Antlers. I was a little bit disappointed in it because I'd been looking forward to it for so long. It was based on a short story, and like a lot of short stories that get adapted to full-length motion pictures, you know, sometimes it just doesn't have enough material there. And at the end of the day, Antlers was a short story about a giant Wendigo monster murdering everybody. Yeah. And um, we did get that. We did get a Wendigo Monster Kelly, thanks. Eventually. Wendigo. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that if I had to... Actually, you go ahead, you can go ahead and give it your rating. I'll let you go first. I'm going to give it a five. Five? That means bad, though, right? I just well, want to make sure it's your, it, your rating it's, system's it's, weird. It's, it's be- I know. It's below Halloween. I want to give it, like... like a, I, I want to also give it a six, but Halloween's better than. Are we talking about Halloween though? Because I gave Halloween a six. Well, and I don't want to give this a six. I, nobody, no one can. You can erase your past mistakes. Well, I'm giving it it's a not five. the Jesus Christ show. I'm giving this a five. It's an okay, which is five. It's in the middle, therefore meaning okay. Um, I'm gonna give it the same score that I gave Halloween, which is a seven. You think it's just as good as Halloween? Yeah, I just don't think it's as fun. They're different things. That's really true, I guess. Yeah, like, I will probably never watch Antlers again unless somebody really wants to watch it just because it's so dreary and depressing. But if someone wanted to watch it, I'd have no problem watching it. Whereas, I would have ha- a problem watching Antlers again. Okay, well, I'm not trying to get you to... Well, I'm just thinking about it in my head to make sure I'm... We're giving it, we, didn't even, we didn't even say... Uh, we didn't even get made up an arbitrary rating system because we're too busy uh, arguing about what the ratings mean. That's true. Five antlers. No, it's too late now. <laughs> five out of ten antlers. Too late now. Just to be clear, not five stars. All right, five I, out of ten antlers. We need to move on because we're going to run out of time, and I don't want us to have talked about antlers more than we talked about Dune. Yes, the ten times longer movie. Oh, uh, yes. But even though antlers... Felt ten thousand times longer. Yeah, it did. It felt much longer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so I've seen Dune twice now. Um, so oh, yeah, obviously, you know, not bearing the lead here, it's clear that I had fond feelings towards it. Um, what is your, until you had seen the movie, the, the motion picture Dune, what was your relationship to Dune, the books and the Dune universe? That was really weird. No relationship I've never even heard of Dune <laughs> until the trailer for Dune. So I asked because some people are huge fans of the original movie. Some people are huge fans of the several miniseries that Sci-Fi Channel did. Um, there actually probably aren't any people that are huge fans <laughs> of that, but I'm going to pretend like there are. My dad liked it, so uh, him, <laughs> that guy. Um, uh, and then obviously... Huge amount of people are, are fans of the books. Well, you and I both know that I didn't read the books. Yes, we do, sadly. <laughs> um, that was such a long, drawn-out yes. I sounded like the snake from the Jungle Book. <laughs> uh, but I was kind of none of those things either. Like, I mean, I, I knew what Dune is. I've seen all of the, I've seen the movie, the original movie. I've um, watched the sci-fi miniseries. I know I've seen the cover of the book, but at the end of the day, I've seen the cover. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was excited about it because I I know very vague things about the universe, and I love sci-fi and I love Denis Villeneuve, so I was excited about the movie for that for those reasons. But I didn't come to it with a, a huge amount of historical baggage, I guess you could say. Um, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so yeah, so I. I think that we both kind of came into Dune with a uh, with a clean slate. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I found the original movie to be kind of unintelligible. I haven't seen it since I was like thirteen or twelve. Oh well, then you weren't competent. <laughs> I mean, that's not untrue. I mean, I, I was I didn't understand what was going on in the movie. I thought it was really, and because of that, it was really boring to me. Yeah, uh, it was really weird. I remember th- finding it to be very, very strange and otherworldly. But um, because it was the plot was incomprehensible, and the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries, I also felt like it was incomprehensible, and they had way more time to tell the story. Um, Sad. It's to embarrassing do for them. Yeah. Well. As you could see watching this movie, you need a huge amount of dollar bills to make <laughs> the stuff that's in this book a reality. <laughs> that Yes, 100%. Yeah, and let me tell you, in case you didn't know this, movies on the sci-fi channel do not have large stacks <laughs> of money being poured into them. <laughs> I like 
how you're talking about this money. I just want you to imagine trying to make a serious Dune miniseries with Sharknado <laughs> money. <laughs> it, it looked and it looked exactly like that. <clears throat> That's really ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't even know Sharknado money. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so okay. yeah, let's uh, let's let's dive in. We're not going to really do a plot synopsis of Dune because that will take up the whole rest of the show. That would take up every show. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll just boil it down to: if you don't know anything at all about Dune, it's a, a giant space opera about warring houses competing for the attentions of the emperor over a plot of land where if this was a Western, a whole bunch of oil was discovered or a bunch of gold, except something much more complicated. Everybody who knows anything about Dune will know is spice. Yeah. So that's pretty much Dune in a nutshell, at least the from what we're seeing so far. It's like I'm sure it gets way more mystical. There's space crones and all kinds of crazy crones. stuff. Yeah, that's what they that's what they say in Macbeth, right? Three crones or they hags. I don't know anything about Macbeth. I'm not. Oh yeah, you don't read or watch that musical or no, oh. not musical <laughs> play. <laughs> you made the funniest noise. Oh, oh. <laughs> I meant play. Like jolted me. I meant play. I thought you're at least a theater kid. I am, but I haven't seen it. Oh man, you're like Macbeth. Is that the guy who wrote Dear Evan Hansen? Oh my god, that. Um, anyway, so yeah, that, that's, it gets us, that, that gets us through what we need to know about the plot of Dune, yeah. essentially. Y'all know exactly what Dune is about now. Um, so one thing that I want to say just off the top is uh, this movie has done something that nobody, at least that I've seen, has been able to come close to doing, which is it makes the very dense lore and galactic politics and whatever of Dune understandable. Now yeah. you do feel, at least I felt kind of lost for like the first half hour or so trying to, trying to understand like what all was going on and who, who how everybody fit together. I didn't though. I, I don't read. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to say something that how I comprehended the beginning without reading. And therefore it's not that I didn't comprehend it. I was just trying to figure out where everybody was, what, who, the, who were the main players. That's probably why I could comprehend it is because I and because I don't read, and you were trying to think about stop it, all these trying things. to try. You're trying to <laughs> you're not try trying to, to make. Think, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say read. Yeah. I need to stop talking about reading. Reading doesn't have to do with this podcast. This is a movie podcast. That's a true. thing I care about. Um, I think I, I honestly was just like sitting in awe. I think that's probably the main reason I was able to understand it. I wasn't trying to like, okay, who is who's what's going on? I was just like sitting in for the ride. Right. Like I said, it wasn't confusing. It was just dense. You're getting a lot of information. Yeah. You know what I mean? They start introducing like the this Dune universe's version of the Force. Yeah. Um, they start introducing that. You're having to figure that out. You know, they, they introduce all these key elements. And they do it, like you said, like, well, in this gorgeous kind of jaw-dropping way where they're giving you a lot of information not just through dialogue, but through visuals. You yes. Know? Um, so we learn a lot about what the fighting styles are and how the shields work, you know, at least mm -hmm. enough, you know, without them going into detail on, you know, the actual science of it. 
we learn about how spice works, you know, a scent kind of. Yeah, we enough. know what it does. Yeah, we know enough about why it's so valuable. To multiple parties. Right. So they're, And they're giving you so much information. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so much information. Yeah, you have to do a lot of brain power during this movie. Yeah. And, you know, some people were upset whenever the movie would stop to explain certain things. But from what I understand about the book, um, from folks who have read it, the book is that, like, but on steroids. You know what I mean? The book's explaining all these things to you. Yeah. It explains to you how the shields work and what they do, whatever. I think he did a great job of kind of marrying those two things together. Um, so, like, he, he does explain to us how those, you know, desert suits work that, yeah. like, recycle your body's water. But he doesn't go into a bunch of detail about the shields because that's something you could just visually show. Yeah. But how are you going to visually show the inside of a suit recycling your body's water? I mean, there obviously is a way you could do it, but that wouldn't be in, that would be expensive and not particularly interesting to watch. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I felt kind of like I did when I first started reading Game of Thrones. You know, it took you know about six chapters, I think, before I understood who all these people were and how they fit together. Yeah, to me, this this movie was like if Game of Thrones had a baby with Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Spices is in Star Wars. And oh. it's space sci-fi. It's not Star Trek. There's only so many sci-fi things to compare it to. I wasn't I was just pondering that comparison. Oh, okay. I thought you were being mad. No. Um I mean you're They so use Do- swords. Dune is um much older than than Game of Thrones. I would say Game of Thrones ripped so much stuff off from Dune that Longest. it's actually it's actually astonishing. But how many people know what Dune is? And how many people know what? Everyone has seen Game of Thrones. It just feels weird. It's like the way you said it, it's because it's backwards. So it's kind of like if you said Elvis Presley is kind of like if Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus had a baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair. That makes, I understand that. But yeah, I, I I understand what your what your point was. Also, um, it's, was it's definitely it's, it's definitely more not. It's very serious. It's not it's not doing Star Wars yeah. in that way. Um, I but it's also a space fantasy. Yeah. Um, but there also is some hard science fiction in there. I don't know. I but. Uh, some, not a ton. What else am I supposed to, what you know, other sci-fi fine. thing would it be? I think we can move past your analogy. It's okay. totally fine. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I care about. So, um, yeah, like, because I, I don't, I, this is also the first part of the book. Yeah, it's the first. That's how long this, this book is. This was like a two and a half hour movie, and it was only the first half of the, this book. Yes, and I'm sure they left out tons of details that fans of the book were, you know, upset about. about. Yeah, but um, so I want to get this out of the way, and then we can talk about how gorgeous this movie was and what you thought of the performances, because we literally have every single famous person currently acting was in this movie. (laughs) Honestly, I'm surprised that that in in credits we didn't find out that Tom Cruise played one of the palm trees. (laughs) Um. But it was, it is part one of two. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That was funny enough, though. Um, it was part one of two. So this movie does, like, a lot of, you know, when Harry Potter split their book in half, you know, when Hunger Games split their book in half, um, and 
it has the same issue. It doesn't matter that Dune is a much better or more well-respected piece of literature. It has the exact same problem, and that is that you end the story right in the middle. Yeah. And Dune doesn't have a neat middle ending point that you can at least give the audience some kind of catharsis. You know what I mean? There's not a huge battle, you know what I mean, that they can kind of end it on. So it just kind of stops playing. That's pretty much what happens. You know what I mean? Yep. They're walking and then credits. Yeah. It really feels, it, it feels like if you were watching dailies, you know, as they're putting the movie together and then, you know, the lights come up and they're like, all right, that's all we got. We'll be shooting the rest of the movie, you know, <laughs> and then we'll tell you when to come back. Um, so it, I have to say that um, all of my love and adoration for this movie and my score and everything is predicated on this movie's sequel happening and them not completely uh, poo-pooing their pajamas. What? Well, that's a classic old saying that I just made up. But yeah, we have to really hope that that doesn't happen. I can't imagine it happening, first of all. Yeah. And by the time now that we're talking about this on the podcast, we have the great news that the sequel has been greenlit because that was kind of scary. Uh, that what if this movie is really expensive? It doesn't make that much money. They could not greenlight it, and if they don't greenlight them, if they didn't, if they hadn't greenlit the sequel, then this movie doesn't matter anymore. You yeah. know, like it, the whole it would be all great, and then you'd be like, well, then what? Uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we just not go down in history as anything other than like an abject failure because as as a movie, it does not have an ending. The characters have no arcs yet. They're mid-arc. Yeah. Um, and it just, as a standalone piece, I couldn't possibly honestly say that it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it can't work. Yeah. You're, you just had the first half of something. It's not like a cookie. You can't just have one half of a cookie. Well, actually, that's much different. It's more like if someone did half of the work of making cookies... And then just left you a big bowl of glop. Yeah, there you go. I don't. I can't use analogies because <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> Good job. At least you're owning it. Um, so yeah. So the, getting that out of the way, the, the sequel has been greenlit. I have no reason to think that any pajama pooping is going to be happening. So I think that we are set to talk about this movie and um, on its own terms with with that little caveat out of the way. Um, so we are really getting close to. Um, we're getting really close to time here, so give me your give me your overall thoughts. What, All right. what what things you liked about it? I am just so happy to experience a new a new world, you know, a new a new Star Wars, I guess, if you will. Um, and it's not Star Wars at all. I'm not I'm not trying to make that comparison again. But like, I just love this. It's a fresh start, you know. I get to meet new characters that I actually like enjoy looking at and watching their lives and a new planet and to explore. Like it was like, it was like playing a new video game or having a new book. Yeah. Don't read, but <laughs> having a new book. <laughs> From what I've heard. <laughs> All right. But it was just, I just loved being there. It was like, I just felt relaxed, you know, just like, wow, this is cool. This is a new thing I've never seen before. Oh, that's cool. That's a new thing I've never seen before. And their technology, like their vehicles, was like astonishingly cool. New spin on 
on vehicles, <laughs> if you will. The, the latest in vehicle design. <laughs> yes. There's like bug planes or whatever. Bug. Like dragonfly. Shi- dragonfly ships. ships. Yeah. There we go. But it was just so cool to me, and I just loved it, you know? Yeah, you know I, mean, what I mean, visually the movie is unimpeachable. Absolutely one of the most gorgeous science fiction movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, especially for it being set on a sand planet. With, yeah, what with, you've seen with many, the end many of it times. being sand. Do what? With the end of the sand planet, not having water and pretty oasises, just sand forever yeah. in one city and sand. Well, what did you think about the scale of it? Because that was one of the things that really stood out to me was that everything was huge. huge. Yeah, it's like massive. And if you think about it, this planet is just a tiny little, it's not, well, it's a planet. It's a big planet. Obviously, it's still big. But like, it's a whole monarchy system outside of these two planets we've seen. We've only seen two houses, the two biggest houses, right? Yeah. That's just, uh, do you remember who they are? I know, I know the name of a house and I know the name of a planet. <laughs> oh, I thought you comprehended the movie so well. Well, I don't remember all the... What's the main house? The main house is House Atreides. Yeah, and then the other house, that we only other house that we see in this is the Harkonnens. Harkonnens, yeah. Yeah. And then the planet we're on is Arrakis. Arrakis, yeah. Yeah, which is the Tatooine. Yeah, it's funny because the movie's called Dune, but um, in, at least in this movie, they only even say Dune one time. Yeah, even though, yeah, that's dumb. But, I mean, dumb. it's not dumb. I, I just said it's not them. I just, I need to stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the scale of it. I'm not even talking about the fact that we're talking about a huge intergalactic, you know, story of compete great houses competing against each other. It's even everything about the way it's shot is the scale's amazing. And the cinematography is absolutely stunning. Even if it's, even if it's 50% digital, I don't care. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah, think about that. because the uh, the way that he would shoot these ships would to show their scale would be this really um, disciplined style of filmmaking, I will say, where instead of being like, oh, we have a trillion dollars, I want to show like five billion spaceships, you know what I mean, all pew-pew-pewing around each other. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the George Lucas prequel model of what to do with your money. Mm-hmm. And this, instead, he would be like, hey, we're going to spend $50 million on a shot of just a big, giant ship claw landing. Because when you see that huge ship, you know, claw, claw thing or foot or whatever, <laughs> take up an entire IMAX screen, you know that is one big, big ship. giant ship. Yeah. yeah. And so the scale of everything, these ships are like, towering behemoths, you know, and their interstellar intergalactic travel ships look like giant ancient flying caves. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, those are crazy. Oh, God. It, it, it's a huge movie. Yes. All right, we have five minutes. So what do you want to discuss? I think we need to at least hit performances. Yeah, I was going to say, we need to talk about the cast. Yeah. So... Do you want me to like just name the cast to you? <laughs> no, but we can just say that this cast, this is this cast is stacked. Yeah. I mean, these are these aren't just um some of the, we have some of the we do have some of the greatest, you know, character actors in this movie, but we also have like some of the biggest action stars. And I would just name you all of the huge franchises they're in, but that is I don't want to disservice the actors by doing that. And also, um, we all know that, you know, 
Marvel and Star Wars have been in DC. In DC, yeah, have been pulling character actors into their fold for some time now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do. We have like Aquaman, Aquaman. And Thanos, Poe Dameron. <laughs> um, I think I don't think there's Thanos. Sing, I don't think there's Thanos. You said Thanos. No, I want to pretend like I said Thanos. Anyway, it's becoming one of them. Is it? Is it? Is there a single person who hasn't been in a Marvel movie in this, or a, some kind of property like that? Um, because Stellan Skarsgård, who plays the Duke, he's in Thor, and isn't Zendaya is in Spider Man, right? Yeah, but Rebecca Ferguson, she's not in a Marvel. No, but she's in. She's, she's, she's in. in she's in uh, Mission Impossible. No, no, she's in James Bond. No, Mission Impossible. I don't know. I know she's in that whole big like diverse. And Javier Bardem is in. James Bond. Isn't she in Divergent though? In I didn't that watch. Series? I didn't watch that. I'm pretty sure she is. That's I, what I, I don't watch. From. I don't watch garbage. Well, I, you know what? I didn't watch it. I just saw. I clips sure, of it. sure didn't read it. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> but yeah, so the cast, standouts, cast. cast. Okay, Timothy Chalamet to start off with the main character. He's a standout to you. Yes, because most everybody I talk to hates him. Why? They just think that he has no charisma, no personality. I really liked him. I couldn't. I can't really imagine anyone else playing a tiny little skimpy boy. Skimpy boy. Tiny little baby boy. Well, I actually thought he did a good job, but his character is kind of boring. You know what I mean? He's a good person. He starts off good. He stays good. You know what I mean? I, he doesn't I have liked a lot him. of. I thought he was cool. I enjoyed him. I, I enjoyed watching him on screen. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to uh, email my friend Craig because he said email he, him. But yeah. Get what it, are we in the 1950s? <laughs> yeah, that's what we were doing in the 1950s. <laughs> Not that I was alive. In I the was going to say, Dad, you were alive in the 1950s. I mean, honestly, I, I've had people say that he's a personality vacuum. Uh, one person said he had the charisma of an IKEA in table. Um, so it's a hurtful thing. Well, you know what? We'll stop talking about Timothy Chalamet. I, I look. I, I didn't. I, Technically, I think his performance was good. Yeah. From a technical acting level, mm-hmm. it was good. And But I just think the character is boring. Oh, yeah. Just right now. His fault. He's mid-arc, you know what I mean? So yeah, you can't it, really blame him. He did a good job being his boring I'm character. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying I will have to... I can get I can get on board with the idea that Paul as a character is kind of boring. I mean, his name is right Paul. Like, <laughs> what do you expect? I mean, all right, fine. Next one, um, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa actually was a standout to me because it's kind of weird. His actual technical abilities as an actor are a lot rougher than some of these other people. I mean, we have like Josh Brolin is in this movie, uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaacs, yeah. um, Stellan Skarsgård, like I said, um, that guy who played Polka Dot Man, whose name I can never rem- remember how to pronounce. It's like Dalmachi. Don't, something. don't, something don't, sounds, it looks don't like da- it, it looks like Dalmatian. All right. Um, but Jason Momoa is the only person that's exuding any warmth in this movie. And that's one thing that kind of can be an issue with the movie is it is a pretty cold movie, especially because we're only in the first half of it. Yeah. Um, so it could be a kind of cold distancing movie. And especially because all the characters play these like stoic military types. You know what I mean? You, they're never letting their guard down. This is who these people are. They're like stoic, boy scouty people or they're evil, crazy, gross, bad mean. people. Yeah. Yeah, the Harkonnens don't seem... There's not a lot of nuance there. They just seem... Evil. Yeah, really evil. Just creepy, gross, evil people. Yeah. Um, and honestly, 
I feel bad because they're stereotyping bald people and making it to seem all bald people seem bad. And my hair has been thinning recently and uh, I don't like it. That It's supposed to be the messages that all men eventually age into Harkonnens. Okay. I don't think that's the message. of That the was dude. the message that I got from the movie. All men are destined to be Harkonnens. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, Jason Momoa radiates. He cannot keep his natural kind of charisma um, from radiating on the screen. So even though he's tamped way down from, you know, Aquaman, yeah. um, he still he's feels so like a like a living, breathing person. And it's so it was so crazy. Like and I was, everyone's always giving him hugs and he's like, Hey, yeah. what's going on? And he just uh he's so nice. He's like a, a and, and a he's dude. not but he's not like a dude bro, like he is an no. Aquaman. He's not like that at all. He's just a nice guy. He's like he's like your fun uncle. Kind of, but that's how I, I imagine it. What he reminded me of is actually what special forces people are actually like, because um, it's weird. Obviously, special forces people are much more disciplined and whatever. But when you see them walking around base, they don't. We're not wearing a uniform, you know. They have beards, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like he's kind of like that, right? He's like a special forces guy, so he is like always dressed more casually because he's always like out, you know, on the field, like spying on people or trying to infiltrate their camps or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's, like, one of the few actors in the movie that whenever they're on screen and they're interacting with somebody else, it literally feels like the temp- like the, the color of the movie almost changes to being warmer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's not to say that Oscar Isaac isn't fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic as um, the head of House Atreides. And, oh, man, we're going to we're gonna have to end this now. So let's, uh, let's uh, pop off with the rating. What, do we, what would you say? So... I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 Dunes. 8 out of 10 Dunes? Yeah, because what's funny is that both titles are like, you can use them as multiples, so that's what I did. Uh, Well, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it 9. God, you always put yours (laughs) higher than me, and you're supposed to be the mean one. (laughs) Well, not about this. I saw it twice. You think we're going to go see it twice, a measly old 8? An 8 is good. An 8 is great. Well, a saying, nine is shocking, and a ten is the perfect pinnacle of movies. Well, I didn't get to think of what I was going to say afterwards. What is it? I, I can't. Just think of I one. can't remember now. Just say something dumb. No. You do it. Um, I was going to say nine hunter-killer drones. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> I'm not going to say nine and the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's only one notch l- less creative than saying nine sandworms. Well... I liked mine, Dunes. Right. It's pretty bad, you're right. That's our show. At the end of the day, go see Dune. See it on the biggest screen that you possibly can. And you can wait to see Antlers uh, on demand and so you can kind of get up and talk to somebody and don't sink into a fog of depression like we did at the theater. Yeah. Until um, next time. Follow us on Kin the Pick on Instagram and... On RogueMediaNetwork.com. Bye. Make sure you subscribe, follow us on Kids Stays in the Picture on Instagram, or follow us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.